I'm back. Oh, what is up, you guys? You are listening to the Pop Gospel Podcast. I'm your host, Chad the Dad, and I don't even know how to explain to you how excited I am. Try anyways. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> For so. the first time all summer, we have the full cast back with us tonight. Band is back. Gang's all all of my co-stars. Yeah, not not host stars. Come on, Aaron Sexton. I got sweaty knee pits. Yeah, <laughs> Casey Winstead. I'm back. Josh Inman. Hey everyone. And Joshua Rhodes. I'll take a Wurtz baked potato if y'all are going to stars. Mmm. What? Wurtz. I don't know. I think he said once baked potato. No, I'll take a a Wurtz. Baked oh. potato. Does that mean like you are going to stars? Loaded, I think is what's. Yeah. Okay. There's a restaurant in the town we're both from that. It's I mean, it's a, it's a staple. No, it's called Stars. It's called, I meant the potato. It's called McCallum No, it's just called a potato. But apparently, he <laughs> that's calls their, it with that's the their word. crown. That's their crown <laughs> no, jewel. I meant they, potato. They have three layers of potato. You can get a butter and cheese potato, a butter potato, or a potato with the works. Well, Wait, and you order you a I think you maybe listed those in the wrong order. There's a butter potato, a butter and cheese potato, yes. and then you have to jump straight up to everything. <laughs> everything. There's not like <laughs> a butter sour cream. There's not like a butter and butter cheese bacon. Bacon with bacon chives. Don't forget the chives. I go mm. loaded, no sour cream. Ooh, no extra stuff. sour cream. Go mm. ahead and bring out it's the little, extra. You're gonna be making an extra. Dump, trip. Dump, dump, dump it in. A little too crazy. So that's why for stars me. is the best place Take to get a baked potato. I like my potatoes. I'm just gonna fix Josh fry. here. So is I it, used to hey, I used to buddy. eat sour cream with with nacho Doritos. Just dip it like it's cheese. Really? Dip. Yes. Is that good? I could just sit and eat myself sick on that it. Sounds kind Was of that gross. a thing you did in college? <laughs> just I didn't eat sour cream. I didn't, I'm well, sorry. I when college, you were college so. aged, <laughs> I was college <laughs> age. Yes, high school. <laughs> Yeah, I would just sit with a tub of sour cream and just dip Doritos. Wait, you were college aged in high school? No, and in like high got, school. Oh, okay. I was thinking like you got held back, like you were twenty years old your senior year. No, I was older. Oh, I was eighteen. Oh, uh, I was eighteen when I graduated. Me I too. was eighteen when I graduated. Oh well, I was seventeen whatever. when I started college. Nerd. Ooh. I didn't graduate <laughs> Nerd. until I was twenty-seven. <laughs> yeah, it took him ten years. <laughs> You started Respect. strong, but but you finished, Josh, and that's what matters. That's what matters. You stuck with it. Gold star. That's well, I didn't get. stick with it. I quit for like eight of those ten years. Oh. Well, I mean, essentially, you like s- real you s- for real, quit. <laughs> you stuck with yeah. it. Like if you had a Wikipedia page, they would they would cut that middle part out. They'd be just say, "Hey, he graduated." That's right. You're good. There was stuck a- with no, it. <laughs> basically, I just treated my you know education like the orange starburst until I realized that. You know, it's probably like a red starburst. It's not a pink starburst. What, what What's wrong with the orange starburst? I guess orange is the one you throw away. Well, we all what? Know orange yellow. is my favorite. Orange and red. Throw the yellow Oof. out. Does anybody no, like see, yellow? I, I'll, yeah. I'll take yellow over orange. I love really? the yellow. What if it was banana flavored? Would you change your mind? No, I love banana I flavored. I'd throw it out if it was banana flavored. Yes, oh. banana Laffy Taffies are the yeah. best. Better, you know what's better than a banana Laffy Taffy? The joke on the back of the wrapper. 
No, it's not. Yes, it's always. It's not. It's so good. <laughs> Those are the worst. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There was a time. Make me laugh. There was a time in Josh's college career where he had. Mine? No, Josh Rhodes. Oh. Where he had moved out of the dorms and moved back home. And so he was commuting. But he would stop at this little church on the way and take a I nap sure in would. their parking lot and miss all of his classes. <laughs> because <laughs> and then go was, back home. And then go back. So he drove like an hour to take a nap and go <laughs> back home. No, I didn't even wow. drive an hour. I made it like just the other side of Murfreesboro. That's right. And uh, I was done. You should have just gone to the Crater of Diamonds. At least you're going to waste some time. Maybe find No, you got to pay money to get in there. That's right. Hey, Palpatine, you might cool off. You take that hood off. And the hat. <laughs> Holds in warmth. He's talking about how sweaty he is. He's got his hood on. <laughs> he is wearing a hooded shirt, like we mentioned pre-podcast, and he is wearing like leather moccasins. <laughs> <laughs> They're neoprene. They're leather. So, anyway, Aaron's using the force on you right now. We could go into all of the details of why Casey has abandoned us since the beginning of June, but sure, who man. cares? But He's we not won't. Cool anymore. We won't do it. Whoa. What we are going to do, if you listen to last week's episode, you know that we got into the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, and then just talking about church in general. So, Josh Rhodes, you did or did not start listening to the Rise and Fall? I did not. Did not. Casey, you have been listening. Yes. So, let's open first with some of your thoughts. On the podcast and the things that have transpired from. Okay. Um, well, let's start where we started with, and you weren't here either. No. Nope. So Josh Inman and Casey, let's start here. Sorry. Did you guys, were you aware of Mark Driscoll in his ministry days at Mars Hill? Did you follow his ministry? Were you affected by his ministry in any way? Yeah, I re-preached all his sermons. I mean... I bet you did. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> at, the, at the Korean-speaking church? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who the hell do you think you are? They have no idea, so it was fine. No, I, I think the the, the part for me... Casey yelling at a bunch of Korean folks. <laughs> it was the English pastor. It wasn't like they didn't speak English. <laughs> Golly. I'm sorry, continue. Anyways, uh, it, w- it was really weird for me. I wasn't a huge Driscoll fan. I, I mean, like I was like, man, he does some good sermons, but he was also like that, that fiery, angry type of person I was kind of turned off by because I try to be a, like, Cause you're hey, a fiery, grace angry and person? mercy. No, I'm, I'm the complete opposite of that. And he was kind of a downer, honestly. <laughs> like I would, listen, be a downer. I would listen to some of his sermons. I'm like, man, that's so good. But also, his audience was so much more different from anybody that I was standing in front of. So it was like, True. this isn't re-preachable anyways. So, but Rob Bell was my big, like, because I remember like the NUMA Bible study videos and stuff. And I loved that whenever I was in youth group. We had a small youth group, so it would be nothing for them to like pop one of those in. And then we would just discuss So are you a universalist? No, no, oh, no, okay. no, 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 <laughs> no. That was pre-universalist. <laughs> but I didn't know of Rob Bell till he went nuts. But so. when all that came out about him, I was kind of like, oh, dang. Like, I've seen all these videos, and I was like, he's an incredible, you know, he, he was captivating in the way that he, he carried himself. And so to know that that was, that was part of that staff at Mars Hill 
was was kind of interesting. And then also, I don't know what what year was that? Thirteen, whenever all that kind of happened. Jeez, was that two thousand thirteen? That it that he I had I had ended up I was leaving like fresh. It had to have been somewhere yeah, around I was, there. I was fresh in like preaching. So twenty ten, I was at the Korean church. Um, twenty eleven, I got my first like youth ministry full time position, and so in doing that. I kind of like you would you would listen to people's sermons and stuff just to kind of hear what's going on, and he was I mean he's writing books and he's you know he's keynote speakers at all this stuff, and so when he left it, I was kind of bummed because I mean he was doing great things at Marsil from what I could view from Arkansas absolutely and so I didn't know you know I followed the guy on Twitter and stuff but I was like man he's he's kind of a jerk sometimes but that was also that was his his mo like that's how he. He approached people. He wasn't going to apologize. He was kind of gruff. Yeah. Um, and it obviously it worked. I mean, there were people that like knocking down the doors to get there. So, listen to the podcast. You're kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, That's I, rough. I, I see what's <laughs> happening here. So, I mean, but not, I'm are, not shocked. But there are things in the podcast about things that he did or said that you're totally on board with, right? Yeah. Like when he was at that, uh, it, it was some kind of conference and they had like these different, uh, like tents that you could go to like seminars in or whatever. And so it was like, you might like be in a Buddhist one in the morning and then some like native American thing after lunch or whatever. And that guy ends up going to Driscoll's and he's there for this exchange where Driscoll just starts laying into these people because they are christians it was a christian event i believe and he's like you guys are freaking nuts if you're going to give a space for these people that are preaching a false you know god and a false gospel yeah and you're not going to stand up for the truth and what we know to be true and then he has that back and forth with the guy in the audience who's a universalist and he's like okay if you're a universalist then we already have a problem. Like we don't have level ground here. Right. To, so there's things like that where he stood on biblical truth, and it's like, yes, that I can get with 100. percent Well, and I and th- then I think part of his thing is, um, like a lot of us, like we have great intentions in the beginning, and that that what happens is is that his style of leadership started to kind of take hold, um. And the affirmation of other people who probably weren't the best influences in his life. And I think a lack of accountability kind of led him down a different way. And then you kind of look up and you're like, well, I don't recognize this, but people love it. So I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Um, I've been reading a book by Paul David Tripp. It's called Lead. Uh, and it talks about, uh, I pulled up some notes I had on my phone that I had taken down. But he talks about achievement in leadership and the importance of that. Uh, but he talks about it becomes dangerous uh, whenever it dominates the leadership community. And I see a lot of times in that podcast that idea of um, Driscoll was so driven by the leadership element and the achievements that they were kind of checking off that when that dominated that, it became a negative thing. Mm. And you can kind of see that interwoven. But then at the same time, and he's doing these incredible things for the people in the community, and he's challenging these guys, and he's like, "Hey, like you got to do something." And so, in one sense, you're like, "Man, keep doing it," but in the other sense, he's it. 
it, for me, it's like getting up on Sunday, like preaching to the to the church, and then going home and treating my family like garbage. Like that's that's essentially what was happening. Yeah. And it's like, hey, I'm gonna build up like the kingdom here, but I'm also gonna treat everybody like garbage. That's kind of on my team. Or people talk about, um, uh, what's the place where where people work and they're oh, no. Let me in think the about. Office. It. Well, it's like a place where people work where they're like. Oh, well, there's a dealership here in town where people who work there are like, they're the worst people in the world. But if you go there, you're like, man, they're so great. They're so incredible. Well, oh, yeah. And it's like, hey, you treat me great when I'm a customer. But if I'm an employee, you treat me like crap. And it's like, well, why do you do that? Well, nobody knows that unless you talk to an employee. Absolutely. I see the same thing true with Marcel, where it was like, hey, everybody loves it. People keep coming, people keep experiencing it. Um, it's just a really sad, like how it all just kind of like stopped. Yeah, it was good for where it was going for a long time. But too. there's people who now have been burned by the church that are never gonna go back to church, in my opinion, because yeah. of that experience right there. All right, Josh. <laughs> uh, I think that early on, I could definitely appreciate his uh, his teaching, his delivery in terms of sort of being a no nonsense kind of a this is just it this is what it is this is what god's word says whether you like it or not you know hit the road if you've got an issue and so there was part of me that could appreciate that and him not um bobbing and weaving especially in the culture where he his church was Mm. in seattle you know so it's like wow i can't believe he's He's taking these sort of uh, biblical stances in what appeared to be a culture where that would not be a popular thing, but people were coming in droves, you know, responding to it well. Listening, and so outside of that, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention. Like, I wasn't just, like, reading his books and, you know, wasn't really in invested in what he was doing other than you know listening to a message or something here and there but um at the same time thinking that there's an arrogance in his teaching in his delivery that it was even though i was like man i like i like this guy i'm like man i don't know about this guy you know and because what what sort of drives me a little bit crazy is the what what's on stage should be really similar to what's off stage so what happens when you when somebody's teaching or when somebody's preaching or whatever their personality more than likely goes with them when they're leading their staff, when they're at home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there are a lot of people who, where that they're different people. On stage, they're one thing, and off, off stage, they're a different thing. <clears throat> yeah. And it sounds like his, you know, one of the things that about your um, spiritual gifting is when you're, when you're living out your spiritual gifting, being led by the Spirit, 
It's a lot of really good things happen in the way you interact with others. But, but on the flip side is when you're walking in the flesh, it's really bad on the, on the people around you. And it seems it seemed like, from listening to the podcast, which when I listened to it, to be honest with you, the first episode, it, I could, my gut was wrenching. Mm. Like I was feeling sick to my stomach. Hearing the, the testimonies, the interviews, and the way that people were being treated in the office, behind the scenes, and to what Casey was saying... But there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people that were rooting him on because of what meets the eye. But what doesn't meet the eye was a complete disaster and dysfunctional. And so, you know, it's it's really sad to hear, but I'm not real surprised. Yeah. You know, because you can see it when you watch him and listen to him teach it's not a stretch for me now hearing what went on i'm like well that makes perfect sense because when he's in the flesh i guarantee you he's a real turd yeah and and it doesn't well, and, matter who's in front of him he's going to be a turd to these people whoever he, it is and he said that several times talking about like his past growing up you know the street the neighborhood he lived on was rough and he got in fights all the time and so like yeah yeah i i could absolutely see that so one more question just for you two, and then we'll get into some new questions. I asked Josh Rhodes and Aaron last week, mega churches, do you guys think they are good? Do you think they're, I forget exactly how I worded it. Do you think they're worthwhile? Do you think they're sustainable? Why do they fall apart? What makes some tick and continue to work? What it, what are your opinion? Or will all mega churches eventually peter out? Um. Well, I think there are good big churches that are being led well. There's crappy big churches that aren't. <laughs> Respect. There's uh, yeah, absolutely. There are really good small churches, and there are really bad small churches, mm. and so. It's not a it's not really I don't know, it's a loaded question that you 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 have to take, in my opinion, that case by case, you know. But if I'm gonna broad stroke large churches yeah. uh that are reaching people, that are making disciples that are being led well with a good structure of accountability and, um, you know, evaluation and maintaining a priority on health, especially with the leader, then, man, grow exponentially by the tens of thousands. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but... You use the example that you just gave with Mars Hill. I mean, that's an example of what appeared to be. And the thing, in my opinion, what makes a, a megachurch, either healthy or unhealthy, has nothing to do with the thousands of people in the seats most of the time. It's what's happening internally mm. with just a handful of people. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, if there's 
if there are crappy large churches where uh, dysfunction is evident and the people sitting in the seats just go along with it and they're just as um, much responsible for a, a crappy really large church as the people leading it yeah yeah uh i mean i i think that the thing that mega churches can do is is reach a, a large swath of diverse people and so you'll get people who the, the thing that is attractive about a church that is larger is that people don't feel seen um and in that they feel like they can come and go as they please and so yeah. that part i think is good for getting people in the door uh, and, and I totally agree with what Josh said about, man, there's good mega churches and there's mega churches that are just, they need to shut the doors. Um, I, I think that ultimately it's a leadership thing. Everything that you said, I agree totally with. I think the model of church in Western civilization is moving away from mega churches. Um, you, we're, we're kind of experiencing that with our church everybody knows if you live in central arkansas the church that i work at you you drive by it everybody i've talked to oh yeah i've been there before i went there one time and used to like in the the 80s 90s it was like this regional draw where you'd have people coming from you know 40 50 miles away and it wasn't just in that community and so what we've realized is the whole build it and they'll come model doesn't work for our church like it's it's not so much a regional thing as it's like hey it's the people that are around the community and so as we look forward to church planning and kind of that model what we realized is that man building bigger structures and buildings are not the way that we can reach people most effectively and so we're looking for opportunities to plant churches out of out of our home church uh, but then in places where churches aren't at and, and we're not talking big, massive, you know, millions of dollars facilities, but hey, take a storefront and then revamp it and then use that. And so uh, our pastor kind of pitched it as the model of looking at churches, not as like a Walmart, like you can get everything you need at Walmart, but there's yeah. only so many of them around. But if you look at a Dollar General, like there's one on every corner, it's low overhead, it has exactly what you need, and then you can get in there and get what you need. And then you can get out, but it's it's you can reproduce that, and it's all over the place. And so, I think for for a lot of churches, um, and and there's a there's a trust element where it's like who's the one person you want to trust with all of that power. Mm. And so, as I see, you know, you see large churches like like that we're familiar with, but how many of those I think are making kingdom impacts? I, I don't know. I haven't sat in on any of their sermons on any of their you know, their leadership stuff. I, I don't think uh, we would be proud of what that looks like, though. I, th- I think a lot of people kind of get overwhelmed with it because most megachurches don't start as a megachurch. It starts as great ideas, and that's how Mars Hills was. Like, Mars Hill was this, hey, we're going to do this thing, and it, it kind of started popping off, and people started coming, and more people wanted it. And in doing that, it blew up, and I think it gets ahead of the leadership. And so... Um, I don't know. I, I think if if you just exactly what you said, Josh. I think you hit the nail on the head, man. If if you're doing well with the leadership, if you've got accountability, that's the biggest thing for me in churches. You can't have leaders who just run around and do whatever, um, and not having accountability where they have to answer for what they're doing, the things that they say, having people who call into question 
um, financials, anything like that, um, it's dangerous when you start to kind of be secretive in that. Yeah. And I think Mars Hill was one of those things where, man, they they weren't so much secret, but they like were so blind to the fact that well, Mark Driscoll's this great leader, and like whatever he says is law, and you can't go against it. And you know that, and I mean, you hear people who are like, "Yeah, I could see it." It's like, well, shame on you for not stepping up. Like, mm-hmm. if I saw yeah, if like a house there, on fire, yeah, I'm not gonna be like by the water hose, like it's cool. Like, no, yeah. you got to try and work on that. Like, put that thing out, and they're like. Yeah, I could see this happening. Yeah. Like, well, you are a terrible person. <laughs> for not doing <laughs> Or anything. not even saying, like, hey, Mark, like, you need to check yourself, dude. And you may get fired, and that's fine. But Well, and that's the thing, is nine times out of ten, I guarantee they would have, because there was a testimony in one of the episodes, I believe it was episode four, so you might not be to it yet, where his former, uh, not secretary, but uh, assistant, Yeah. Uh, she was at a dinner and all of the elders and their wives were there and the elders wives were talking to her and they were like, you know what, what's it like working with Mark? And she was, you know, Oh, I love it. I love, you know, getting to work through this process with him of preparing his sermons and see how his mind works and all these different things. And then they were like, well, what, what's like the toughest thing about working with Mark or what do you see, you know, where do you see a need for some kind of change or whatever? And she was like, well, you know, I just think it's hard to see him lead and do all these things without wiser men like pouring into him and keeping him in check. Like he doesn't have anyone who steps to him and says, Hey, what you just did there may or may not be out of line. And she found herself like a week later in his office or in an office with an elder and him. And she was being accused of heresy for calling or for saying that, not even calling him out. And she ends up losing her job. So yeah, I think if anybody ever stepped to him and challenged him, he was going to get fired, which leads me to our first question about church. Okay. So we know that, number one, let's define some terms here, or maybe just one term. When we are talking about church, there is the biblical view of what the church is. And the church is every believer, every follower of Christ who has put their life in him, who at the end of their life or the end of this age will pass on from this into eternity to be with God. Those believers are the church called the body of Christ. Um, that is what we're that that is one way that you need to realize and understand the church is you. If you are a believer, you are the church. And then you have kind of the institution of church, your pastors, worship leaders, etc, the the place, the building, the Sunday, experience that people call church you know i'm going to church whatever so there there's two clear definitions there one is complete is what scripture tells us is the truth the other is a facade a misuse of the term that we then use kind of how loosely however we want which is where you get church division and all kinds of different things So what we're going to talk about is the institution, okay? Whatever you want to call that, uh, the the 
we'll just call it institution. Little I can't, C. I can't think of a better, what? Little C church. Little C church. Um, so we know, cause we've all been there or been around it, that church, the institution can really hurt and mess people up, uh, due to bad leadership or a whole range of things. We know because sadly it happens far too often there are men who find themselves in positions of leadership who then abuse that leadership Uh, sometimes it's cases of sexual infidelity and so on and i want to be very clear that when those people do that whether they themselves are christians or not is not something that we're going to debate because it's not up to us to decide Um, we know that as Christians, we are still human. We still have sin in our lives. We still fall short. So we're going to start on that level playing field of we are all broken and we don't have it all figured out. And the only way that we have anything figured out is when it comes from scripture, because we know that that is truth. So let's start there. But we know that the institution of church has hurt a lot of people or people find themselves hurt. Um, and so a lot of that I believe comes from broken leadership like we saw in Mars Hill. So I just wanted to kind of ask you guys what you think the root cause of that is and why we allow it to happen. So you said, well, okay. Dang it. Let's (laughs) freaking freaking Sunday school answers and we're moving on. No. So what? Okay. Here's why. After how many thousands of years since Jesus sacrificed himself and the church was uh, established, do we still allow those things to happen? Why do we in some ways deify our pastors or our elders or whatever to the point that no one can challenge them, no one can hold them accountable, etc., and allow these things to happen? I mean, I... Sorry, go Sorry. Ahead, Josh. No, you go, Josh. Go, go Rosie. Go, go, I I think a lot of it is, you know, in the early church, there wasn't this, like, hierarchical system in place. It wasn't like, you know, a pope and bishops and all that stuff like the Catholic Church became, you know, several hundred, even a thousand years ago. It was just like, hey, yes, there's, like, the deacons that are kind of leading the church, but it was, you know, everyone loving each other, supporting each other. And now it's become more a, you know, pastoral staff that's uh, responsible for loving and leading. And then the body who's just kind of sitting there and listening. Yeah. I'll lay in that. Um, you know, we see in the beginning of the church in the New Testament, we, we, there, there is an establishment of elders you know in the beginning you had the 12 apostles when they appointed barnabas after judas offed himself uh yeah so (laughs) there there were the apostles who were elders and led the church and every area so like the church at ephesus and the church at capernaum and all of these different places there were elders who led but it was not, in most cases, I don't think, or at least I don't see it in Scripture, and if I'm wrong, you guys can obviously call me out. But there wasn't one person 
that led and everyone else was underneath them in any kind of way. You, I think it was you, we were talking and you said even Peter, like Paul wrote him letters and was like, hey, dude, cut it out. Like there's these things that you need to get straightened out. Well, Paul was a fellow apostle. Yeah. So, but you do see a hierarchical structure. I mean, it's even laid out. You have Christ, the head of the church, and then you have... The pastors, and then you have the body. It's the same way in the family. You have Christ, who is the head, and then you have the husband, and then the wife, and, and things like that. So there is a hierarchical structure, a biblical structure. Um, and, you know, you you have elders, and you have deacons. Deacons were there to serve, serve the church, um, serve the people in the church. And you had elders who were there for... Um, kind of carrying out, you know, they'd be like your associate pastors and, and things like that. They they help the apostles and the pastors and the churches. So you see that laid out in Scripture. Um, but we've, we have fallen into my personal opinion as, uh, as someone who has dealt with a lot of church hurt in his life. Um, so, well, I'll just try and quickly lay lay this story out my dad worked for my home church in uh, my hometown and was the facilities slash cook guy there and um, he had a disagreement with another one of the uh, facilities guys and uh, they they cut him over it he was basically basically what he was doing was he was feeding the homeless that would come up to the back of the church and uh, one of the other facilities guys told him not to do that. And he basically told that guy that he could leave him alone. And he got fired over that. Uh, and so my family left, left that church because of that. Uh, because mm. it was run more like a business instead of a church. Um, There's a lot that happened in talks with my dad about why he was doing it. And he just expressed his heart for the people. And he didn't feel like the guy he was working with had any right to tell him what to do and all this other stuff. So there's a lot more that went into it. And then, of course, later on, I'm serving as a full-time student ministries pastor at another church, and I'm the only person on staff at the time. And I was being told by deacons that I had the wrong kind of student attending my student ministry. Uh, And so that was really upsetting. Uh, and, And I think that, you know, leadership is a huge, is a huge part of it. And in leadership, we have church leaders have been sold for so long that they need to build a brand. They need to build a brand. They have to be a certain type of person. They have to look a certain way. They have to talk a certain way. And, and it's all about building this brand. And if you don't fall in line with the brand, if you don't, if you don't fall in line with, uh, with, with you know, where they're going... I think that that that's what leads to a lot of it, you know. And so, it's these even when it comes to elders and pastors, it's kind of like Driscoll. You know, one of the things he did in in the story that we're listening to is he surrounded himself with people that wouldn't tell him no, and anybody that did, he he got rid of. He got rid you know? of yeah. And and that's the issue is I I I, I don't want to paint it as churches are just full of people who don't care. Because they are. They are full of people that care deeply. 
they care deeply for the people in that not just the pastor not just the staff but for the people that sit next to them on sunday morning and they care deeply for the people that live next to them that don't go to church with them Mm. and what i've come to realize is church plays a major role in a lot of people's lives like they would much rather spend all of their free time serving at the church and helping out and being a part of programs and things like that than they would sitting at home watching TV or binging Netflix or going out like they because they just love their church that deeply and those are the people that when problems come up you're going to hear from uh, but are also quickly kind of done away with in some settings because it, it, they're not falling in line with the brand they're not quote yeah. unquote on mission that kind of thing and those are the people that usually end up hurt the most it's not your cat like that's one of the things i'm noticing from the mars hill story is it's not your casual church attender it's not your person that comes in off the street and is just like oh i go to church now it's people that were heavily invested in that community they were heavily invested in that staff and when they raised questions about what was going on and and were going I, I don't think this is what God wants for this church. I don't think it's biblical. I don't think they were immediately done away with. And those are the people that were hurt so deeply by it. Um, and so from my perspective, I think that's that's why it continues to happen is because um you just have people who, when they do try and stop it, they're just they're they're cast out, they're wounded, and you know, on and on the train rolls. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting to me. You're talking about the brand. It it's a struggle for me, and it's a struggle for a lot of my friends. I will say, a lot of my personal friends don't attend church anymore even though we all grew up in church together uh you know did bible studies at my house together a lot of my friends are no long are either a no longer believers or b just don't go to church but they somehow justify that in their minds not being connected with other believers and so the brand it blows my mind how the anyone could be in a position of leadership in a church and you know you think of lead pastors associate pastors things like that but even facilities guys you know what i'm saying uh who are you you just associate if you work at the church to some degree you are spiritually growing or you are some kind of in some way, spiritual giant. Not that you're like above or any holier, but that like you have something together as far as your spiritual development. And so it blows my mind that, and a lot of times it is lead pastors uh, in these situations that are so. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word. That their life is saturated with the Bible. Their life is saturated with God and Jesus, and they're supposedly studying it and soaking it up and then turning around and teaching it, and then will the next day on a Monday fire the facilities guy because he's feeding homeless people out back right. because it makes, the church, it makes the building look bad if a bunch of homeless people start hanging around. Right. And that's not every church. 
obviously. There are, like you said, the church is full of great people who love, really love. But then there's those who just, I don't know, I can't comprehend how you could possibly read scripture, how you could possibly have a relationship with Jesus, and then value your brand over people. Yeah. Hey guys, the episode ran long, so we had to split it up. So this is where we're splitting, so go ahead and click on the next episode so you can continue. So like, to be continued...